0: Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora.
1: Hey, everybody. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Two White Chicks in China podcast. Thanks for listening again. Yeah, this is episode 135. We, uh, we've got uh, a nice uh, surprise for you, something a bit different this episode, but first, I want to thank everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else, whether it be on Stitcher or on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash chicks.
0: Those reviews really help us get seen by other people and help us continue doing the show, so thank you for that.
1: Uh, and we just really appreciate it. It's always nice to get a little uh, pat on the back. Uh, and it's nice to know that actually what we're talking about is, is useful or has been helpful to those of you out there who are interested in Chinese culture or fancy getting yourselves over here to China. I also want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. For those of you who are new to podcasts, Patreon is a platform where people like Nora and I who create free content, content like videos or um, podcasts can create a page and uh, our lovely fans can support us by leaving small donations that will help us produce better podcasts, buy new equipment, which is probably inevitably what, <laughs> what this money will go on to get us some new um, microphones.
0: Thank you for sticking with us through our audio quality. We've been working to try to optimize the sound, but we know it's not studio quality yet. It's tricky. (laughs) It is tricky, and we've had a lot of moving about. And, you know, when you live in a city of, like, 20 million people, it's difficult to find a quiet spot and Mm -hmm. to be uninterrupted for 40 minutes or so. So thank you for sticking with us through some weird sound effects that you often hear going in the background. And for substandard audio quality, we are actively looking into ways to improve that. So, um, I have a fact
1: about China. Ooh. Or it's not a fact, it's a, it's a news article. Um, so, the headline is, Woman Eats Instant Ramen for Three Weeks to Save Up for Singles Day. <gasps> so, Singles Day is every year in China. It's eleven eleven, so the 11th of November. Uh, because it's all ones. Maybe I didn't need to explain that. But anyway, <laughs> so this girl, she wants to save money because basically... Taobao and Tmall usually have awesome deals. In fact, now it's like a growing thing. Even, like, brick-and-mortar stores do deals and uh, supermarkets as well. And so she obviously just wanted to go crazy, so she just ate instant noodles um, for three weeks prior to November 11th. Oh. However, unfortunately, by the time November 11th rolled around, she did not take advantage of any deals because... She was in hospital with a high fever.
2: <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, so um, two days later, the woman had recovered and she was back at school. She was a university student. And uh, she admitted that pretty much all of the money she'd saved by eating the ramen had gone on her medical pills. Oh. Um, and it was said that it was not exactly clear what was behind the woman's illness, though she believed that the instant noodles or at least partly to blame
0: <laughs> Yeah, you definitely not to be eating freeze-dried no. food on a daily basis. Uh,
1: what makes it even worse is that after afterwards, her mom wrote to her on WeChat saying that she deserved to get sick and reminded her daughter to drink lots of hot water. <laughs> um, at <laughs> the end, all she bought on Double Eleven was a facial mask.
0: <laughs> I guess, like,
1: to protect herself from, like, to put over her mouth. That's from the Shanghaiist... And I'll put the link to that in our show notes.
0: The Shanghaiist nails it again. They do a really great job with these sui news articles. Yeah, it's great. It is mental around here, though. <laughs> Double Eleven, 11, as they call it, Shuang mm-hmm. It's this, like, massive... Mostly, like Holly mentioned, started with e-commerce shopping and now it's expanded. And I think... Uh Jack Ma made what two hundred billion? I don't know. I mean no no In insane, insane figures. I can't Did even I hear
1: that imagine. right? Two hundred billion? Did was someone right? who was that talking about it recently? I did hear figures, but I, I haven't seen them myself.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it. But anyway, every year it's a ridiculous amount of more money than the year before yeah. and People, some people start asking the question, "How far can this go?" (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. This year, I even heard they were doing it on flights, which is, I mean, I've never heard of that before. But I unfortunately missed that. But good for anyone who who managed to get a good deal on a flight. Well, they'd also this kind of offer these special offers. They do them throughout the year, actually. There's also twelve, <laughs> twelve. So if you missed out, there's still time. Uh, okay, so um, our question this week comes from Antonina. And it's, uh, she left us a voicemail. If you want to ask us a question yourself, you can go to writtenchinesecom slash voicemail and uh, leave us a question there. So let's listen to this week's question.
0: Hello, ladies. You mentioned that you're running out of questions. So here it is. I'm wondering, how are NGOs doing in China? Like, are they even existing or everything's governmental? I wonder especially about some movements that maybe the government wouldn't like. Or maybe some charity organizations. Something like this. Or promoting some ideas. I'm wondering how it looks like in China. And by the way, I'm a long-time listener. I adore girls. And... Mm, your cheerful voices always make my day. So thank you for doing it. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Since you've started the Patreon campaign, I will think I'll join. Thank you. Thank you, Antonina, for leaving us that question. Mm-hmm. Neither Holly nor I have any experience with doing charity on a organized scale in China. And so... We had to call in an expert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to mix it up a bit, so um, we decided to interview Ronnie, who is about to introduce himself. But he's a local business owner, and he also has started the charity, right? The a heart for a heart for China. Uh, and so here he is talking a little more about uh, charities and NGOs in China.
0: Again, you'll have to bear with the audio quality. Yeah. We were actually recording <laughs> at Ronnie's beautiful little coffee shop slash lounge bar in the middle of the city so you can hear a bit of background noise going on but you should be able to glean a lot of insights from his experiences here in china so listen up all right so we are sitting on the patio on a beautiful shenzhen november afternoon at ronnie's bar we decided to rope in our friend ronnie here who is uh who has been in China for quite some time and who has more experience in this field than we do? He's going to talk to you a little bit about some topics related to our question today. So, Ronnie, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your China story?
2: Okay, so I'm uh, Ronnie. I'm from Belgium. I'm already 14 years here in China. I did business here. And in 2015, I founded the charity organization, A Heart for China which mainly does volunteer work here in China, bring people together, go to an orphan home, uh, old people's home or disabled children's home. And in three years time, almost like four years now, we do this already like 105 times. So the idea is actually to make people happy. It's not a money related thing, it's just the time that we are giving actually to make people uh, feeling uh, appreciated.
1: Um, So, um, what are some of the differences between how charities look or how they're run in China versus in the West?
2: Yeah, that's kind of a a tricky question, actually, if we're talking about China NGOs, um, especially charity. Everything is related uh, to law, and uh, China law is quite strict, uh, most protective for their country, which is uh, understandable here. Um, for foreigners, it's very, very difficult to make charities here in China, especially an NGO, foreign NGO. I think the West is more uh, more like non-government if it comes to NGOs, charities. China, they say, okay, it's a non-government institution or organization, but at the end, it's also the country which decides uh, which NGO can be allowed or uh, what program that they can run so it's not really that government doesn't interfere in NGOs now this is the country decision that we are not here to criticize their policy that's just the law in China and we should obey on that so they have a different kind of view how charities uh, should be run there, so.
0: it's interesting too I wonder because traditionally China has rejected foreign influence as much as possible. So I think they also try to protect their culture from influences that might come in as a form of charity but actually have ulterior motives. Mm. Um, there's instances of charities around the world who come in and it's a lot of it is cultural like propaganda and stuff. And I think China is particularly sensitive about that. Um, what do you see, Ronnie, as some of China's greatest needs? Where, where could charity, you think, do its best work for the people?
2: Right now everybody is actually a little bit focusing on um, education, the social aspect and charity is uh, enormous here in China. Also the environmental aspect is coming much more in the picture right now. And it comes from big charities like the real Chinese NGOs and also the foreign NGOs which actually are quite limited since last year but a new law uh, make it into effect that most NGOs foreign NGOs are allowed again to work in China but not in all fields Um, so the education the social factor is uh, all these NGOs are actually allowed 99% of them in the environmental part it's the same And how you can say the hot iron that we have here in China is um, human rights which are at this moment not really uh, allowed for NGOs to enter. Now this is a tricky question. This has all to do about uh, decision making about the new uh, president, the chairman actually here in China. But he has his reasons to do that so it's a big country to manage um, and it's not that easy if you let everybody do what they want to do. We have 1.3 billion people here so at the end we should respect their vision because like I say China is not the same as the Western country and even Europe is not the same as the United States of America or even as Russian. Everybody has its own culture, background. And uh, how they see how they need to run their own country so as a foreigner living here I think it's quite understandable we cannot agree with everything but the opposite is the same we agree with many things so How they do it otherwise you would not be here as well
1: yeah absolutely I think Nora and I feel sort of similar we've talked in the past about we've been here for so long and sometimes we have experiences here where we just want to you know scream about it but in you know we are here and we we really love
0: being in China. <laughs> I think it's hard for people who are idealistic not to impose their ideas yeah, on a different definitely. culture. Um, we we there are a lot of people out there who have big hearts and who just want everybody to have what they what opportunities they have. But um, you have to see it as a different world over here, and I think it's it's not fair to take your own influences and try to force them <laughs> into this environment because it is it's totally different and what may you may see as uh, a negative a lot of times is a positive here living in close quarters together for example is a positive in China you know we think oh look they're living in such cramped quarters but actually a lot of Chinese people will say oh wow I have so like I have an opportunity to be around a lot of people so there's just a whole perspective is different. And it's important to keep that in mind, especially when you're, doing, you're trying to do good, right? But you have to keep the cultural context in mind. Yeah, yeah so on that
1: note, uh, Ronnie, if people want to get involved in oh, with charities in China, how would they go about that?
2: Yeah, it depends a little bit uh, what you like to do in charity. If you are Chinese, it's quite uh, easy to, to get involved with any charity organization here in China. The bigger the organization, the bigger the administration, of course, and the way how to enter in the charity. So there are some rules, there are some membership fees, there are some requirements. Um, You have kind of stages to enter. So it's not like to say, okay, uh, I have a complete freedom and what I'm going to do in the charity, you will have a specific role and you can climb up, actually, to a certain level that you have a special membership card uh, for foreigners it's um, not that easy to enter there because everything actually is connected with your ID card which us foreigners don't have a passport and I hear many times the question how a foreigner actually can join a charity uh, sometimes it just as a freelance he's being invited for one event and that's also it so for for us Heart for China it's a foreign actually it's a foreign institution organization how we can call it so we are more flexible in how we can do our charity so it means we we plan an event we go to an elderly home which mostly is a private institution private place and they are happy that we are coming that we show some interest actually to to hang out with the old people to hang out with the children there and uh, that's actually what people like in our organization because even we are not a real NGO and we are not really an NPO, I mean NPO and NGO is mostly connected with each other, but uh, people still have the opportunity and the ability actually to join an event and show that they care towards the others and that's the most important thing I think in charity.
0: Nicely put. Yeah, well said. (laughs) So if somebody wants to get involved with the Heart for China, do you have a website or some social media that they can check out? Or how do they find out about your events?
2: Yes, this is quite tricky also as well. Uh, We have a website. We have like, uh, I registered uh, around 10 domain names. I was building the website. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Everything is Heart for China, with the Heart for China with a dash inside, heartforchina.com, .cn, .com, .cn, .org. All these kind of... um, connections actually that the name was secured. The logo also was protected uh, in 2015 in the way, in the possible way that actually it could be because you cannot use China in your logo, mm. you cannot use the Chinese flag in your logo or the, the country in your logo. Mm. So it's, it's very very uh, not easy actually to make that happen. Anyway, the, we registered the logo, the big outline, how it should be. The website is not online, not yet, because I build it now almost a year on it, but it was actually all the information, all the pictures for the past three years that should be included, which yeah. is actually a lot of work if you do everything alone. Mm-hmm. And the new bar that I just recently opened its not helping me a lot to focus a lot on the Heart for China right now. But we also have a WeChat uh, uh, official account called AHFC, actually a Heart for China. People follow the event from there. So when we have an event, we send a newsletter to our uh, members, which has now actually more than 1,000 people following it. Three years ago, we had another Aizazungo. Um, also, a Heart for China WeShed account which had 3,000 members, but it was in Chinese writing. So, to make it simple, we make it 8HFC uh, so everybody can type that and find us.
0: We will put all the links um, in the show notes at slash episode 135. Yeah, five. Yeah, one, three, five. (laughs) And if you are interested in getting more involved with this charity, A Heart for China, and you don't have WeChat, you can just send us an email to support at writtenchinese.com. Just say, I'm interested in Heart for China, and we will create a mailing list for Ronnie to use when his site is launched so he can keep in contact with you in the future Uh, for his projects. One last question for you, Ronnie, before we talk about this lovely little bar for a second, because we have to appreciate this and I'll tell you why in a minute. But um, the last question I have related to today's topic is, how have you seen charities change in the 14 years that you've been here in China?
2: I think charities has uh, changed a lot. There were like uh, five, six uh, charity exhibitions, actually uh, the China charity fair, which we actually joined in September for the second time. And last year it was not uh, organized for some reasons. 2016 was the first time for us. And if I compare that from the first time I visited, actually, as a a visitor in 2015, and I see how it changed, actually, since this year, I see charities are really focusing on On money on collecting money on fundraising which is good so don't get me wrong about that but I think also if you see if you're going to a fair that actually is concerned about charity and you see you enter a hall we have these big huge boots that cost one to three hundred thousand RMB to put Mm -hmm. it up and there are two or three members of that organization walking around and it's basically empty then I'm asking some questions uh, why because it looks more like a marketing stunt to promote that I need to be there no matter how much it costs so people can find us and I find it actually very sad that sometimes like 80 or 90% of all donations go to the working costs of a charity organization and 10% or even a little bit more goes to the actual cause what they supported. That's why I saw, since 2016, 2015 to 2017, that the interest from the people around us were less this year than the previous years, and it's like it's more focused on the materialistic part of being a charity than actually the humanitarian part of uh, doing something good here in China. Yeah, that's my personal opinion here. Again, I don't say it's wrong, but there are better ways to actually to do charity in my eyes.
0: Well, if you're interested in improving charity on the ground in China, then definitely get involved with the Heart for China. Mm -hmm. And also just ask questions. I encourage everybody to ask questions because that's how you find out where the needs really are. Don't assume things that you see out there just start asking the people here where are the needs what can i do to help i feel like that's the best way to get in touch with the needs of a culture is to ask and not just make you know random assumptions (laughs) Um, what works in another country won't necessarily work here in china and we find that with lots of different product services (laughs) and you know social uh, networks Thank you, Ronnie, for sharing your experiences you. with us. We were totally out of our ballpark. We, we had no idea how to answer this question. You really helped give us some insights. Um, can you tell us, though, because all right, you probably noticed that there's a little background noise going on here. It's um, an afternoon in the heart of Shenzhen, and we're at Ronnie's Bar. And I'm excited about Ronnie's Bar because, first of all, I have been coming here from... Since I don't know years ago we started yeah. coming here.
1: 5 years. Yeah,
0: 5 years ago and this is before we knew Ronnie before he took over as owner. And um, we just really always love this spot. Uh, its location is super convenient but it's kind of tucked away from the main scene. Um, and there aren't a whole lot of places in Shenzhen which are up like pub style, like friendly environment. You see a lot of clubs. And you see a lot of um, restaurants, but there's not a whole lot in between. And so this is one of the oases in, in Shenzhen. And we're just happy. All of our friends have been going to what's now called Chestnut. So it's called Chestnut if you're in Shenzhen. you Can can they find it on Baidu?
2: I think you can find it there, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You're on Apple Maps.
2: Yeah, that's already good. <laughs> yeah, so
0: we'll also put a map, little map... For it in the show notes too and a link to the address if you're curious to visit chestnut i really suggest that you do because it has an amazing amazing selection of belgian beers and it's one of the few places where you'll be greeted by people that you've seen before <laughs> well
1: actually funnily enough um, i was here a week or so ago and some uh listeners of the show were actually here oh wow yeah, yeah. that's amazing <laughs>
0: nice.
1: so shout out if you're in shenzhen Come to the shangmi metro station, exit A, and you'll see the bar. across. That's the right, it's the official Two White <laughs> Chicks in China hangout. You'll, there, you'll see the sign for chestnut and the, the chestnut leaf on the wall.
0: <laughs> if you want to learn more about the bar, you have a group, right, on WeChat? Yeah, or we have a
2: group uh, called Chestnut 1984 Launch Bar. The idea actually why I made or took over the chestnut here. Um, because I think it was a great meeting place for my charity members. I always was uh, wondering how I can bring my people together because we don't have an office, we don't have uh, staff that actually working for our charity. It's just a complete volunteer thing and uh, it fits completely in the idea what I had in mind for a Heart for China and the opportunity passed along here uh, I think about it, I made the proposal to the previous owner of Tom, and and here we are. I mean, it's not an easy thing to make it happen, but at least uh, we are starting somewhere, and it's uh, a haven for even for other charities to drop by and to know more nice people here.
1: Great, yeah. Well, uh, Ronnie again, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and we hope that you've uh, learned some things about charities and NGOs in, Ch- in China, and we hope that you uh, listen again to the next episode. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye bye.